0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Brian, joined in the studio today by Pastors John Swan, Ross Anderson, and guys, today we're talking about, we're in week number 10 of our Pursuit series, 10 of 12, and we're talking today about making disciples. You know, we're going to be talking about three reasons to start making disciples. And this is the part in the series that probably we're going to start seeing some attrition. People are going to start dropping off because they're going to say, Look, I got what I, what I wanted from this series. I learned about Jesus. I learned about sin. I've trusted in Jesus for salvation. I've learned about spiritual disciplines and honoring God with my life. But isn't that it? Isn't that what the Christian life is all about? And, and we would scream at people, No, wait. God wants something more for every single one of us. He wants us to start making disciples. Disciple making should be the norm in the church, but sadly, it is not the norm in the church. It is by far the exception. Think about it in, in our churches, guys. How many people can you think of that are actively making disciples in their world? I'm, pr- I'm pr- pretty sure we don't have to take our shoes and socks off to mm. count, Right because it's probably less than 10. I don't know, maybe maybe not at our campuses, because we've been harping on this for a while, but most churches, very few people would do this. They would be the exception. In fact, I'm looking at you, right. John. Mm. You were making disciples before you were ever on staff at a church because you, you kind of caught this, but isn't it true that you looked around and you're like, wait, am I the weird one here? Uh, yeah, that brings
1: me to, a, to a, a quick little story there. I was part of a, a great church, actually, Valerie and I, Young daughters, we'd been going there now about 10 years. I'd asked to be an elder at this church. Um, I I still love the people at this church, love the pastor at this church back in Chicagoland area. And, uh, you know, I had been going, we had Bible study or or Sunday school in between Mm -hmm. services, which was really cool because whether you went to first service or second service, you got to see everybody because it was adult Bible Mm. uh, Sunday school and the kids too, everybody. Everybody went to Sunday school. And So I'd been going to this men's Sunday school for years, and it was just burning in my heart that, oh my goodness, like we've, we just this is what we thought discipleship was, it was just getting together and learning more stuff mm-hmm. all the time, learning more, learning more, learning more, which was great. Uh, there was definitely a season in my, in my walk where that was important, but I was just burning to go share Christ with people. And, and I remember um, kind of just coming to my wits' end and, and saying, "Hey, guys, next Sunday. I'm going to use this time. Now this church happened to be downtown Aurora, Illinois. Okay. So, and there was a casino down there (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I had actually been addicted to gambling at a point in my life too. Mm -hmm. And God had freed me from that, which, so that that's all ties into this. But I said, Hey guys, I'm going to go, um, share Christ with people. Who's with me next Sunday, be praying about it and who wants to go. And so next Sunday, the next Sunday showed up and I walked into the class and said, all right, who, who wants to go with me? And, uh, Nobody came.
0: (laughs) Everyone would go to Bible study. Yeah, but no one would go to the casino with you. Yeah, so (laughs) I ended up going to the
1: casino (laughs) because I walked around. That wasn't my original plan, by the way. I just want to get the whole story out there. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't my original plan, but um, boy, I looked at. I said, "Well, this." I see people going in there. There's people in there because there wasn't much happening outside of that. Walked in, got a, a, a free Diet Coke out of the deal, and just sat there and watched and. And I ended up God just opened up this opportunity to engage a, a blackjack dealer who had no customers basically mm. and I just I just got to talk to her and tell her about how she said, hey do you want to play I said no I don't do that anymore and well why not well I got to tell her all about Jesus mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, an older gentleman um, I got to he, at the craps table I got to talk to him about Jesus too and he was he was just God God did it God opened up the opportunity to do it, and um, all I had to do was just show up.
0: So what, this is good. I'm glad you shared that story, because I think it illustrates, before we even get into the reasons, we're going to share three reasons why every Christian should start making disciples stat. Like right away, you should start making disciples. That's what we're talking about today. But uh, your story illustrates what we're talking about, because some some Christians listening to this, Ross, think that disciple-making is Bible study. Disciple-making is making smart Christians smarter, right? Because if you go to a typical church, certainly in the Bible Belt, but really about anywhere, and you say, what's your discipleship program like here? They, They probably hear... What you know? What, what kind of Bible studies do you offer? Or Sunday f- school, or yeah. what
2: kind of curriculum? Or yeah, I'm, right. It's yeah. so
0: it's tends. Is it right, Ross? It tends to be we think of disciple making or discipleship as making smart Christians smarter, but that's not what Jesus was really ultimately talking no, about. No,
2: not at all. And and you know, really, I think it's a product that to some extent of our American educational system because we train kids all for twelve years of their life, their childhood. To be able to learn something and and spit it back on a test, we don't really train them how to do anything. Um, maybe unless they until they get into trade school or something like that. So I think we have this American concept of of maturity and growth means you master the content, mm. and that's not what Jesus had in mind at all. And it makes me think of a There's a big church uh, some years ago, maybe one of America's maybe America's biggest church at the time, that did a major study on um, they didn't. They, they re- kind of discovered that their people were really not growing, and th- all the tools and the methods they used to disciple people that they really weren't weren't going anywhere ultimately. And I think um, this is why. And one one of the things they discovered is why people drop out of church. You have people in middle age who drop out of church. Why? Because they have heard that sermon before three, four, five, ten times. They've been to all the classes. There's nothing left that that they could learn and so that they start to gravitate toward more and more sort of titillating topics like all the details of the book of Revelation and things like that and 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 they discovered that that people get bored with church because they don't have um, a way to go live it out because they're not involved in the process and in the pro in, in, in creating well, what we're talking about, making disciples. So they're just on the receiving end all the time. And, um, and you know, they want that on, on one level initially. They don't want to go to the casino. But after a few years, that just gets old and stale and boring. And so, uh, so people start dropping out of church. So this is, really, this is really, I think, something that people are afraid to do, but they're also looking for it because they're looking for purpose that's going to help uh, energize their Christian life. Yeah, in fact, here's how we like to say
0: it. You you mature, we mature as Christians by making disciples. We don't make disciple, we don't mature and then make disciples. We actually make disciples and in the process of making disciples, we mature. And I think this is this is what your this is what that study revealed yeah. at that church yeah. is nobody was really maturing and we would say one of the main reasons for that, and there's, a Bibli- there's the Bible backs us up, is because, because it was a consumer mentality. Everyone came to church. It was a big, it was a huge church. I know which church you're talking about. It was a, lots of great teaching, lots of great worship, programs for the families. I mean, it was consumer Christianity at its finest. And so everybody was coming and consuming, but because nobody was, nobody was actually, in the game, nobody was actually discipling anybody. I mean, I wouldn't say nobody, but probably...
2: It was probably sporadic and yeah. accidental.
0: Yeah. So because that wasn't happening, nobody was maturing, because we mature by making disciples. I mean, think about this with parenting, right, John? You, I'm sure that you took leaps and bounds in maturity once, once you and Valerie started having kids, because now you couldn't... You had to be the adult in the room, right? Mm, it was time to grow hard up. For me. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> it is. It's hard for all of us, isn't it? You had to. You had to grow up and be the adult. And this is what we what we notice in family ministry all the time is, man. It uh, if you want to if you want to grow up, have a kid, and it's going to force you. You can't be selfish because your kid's going to be selfish. Well, right? here's
1: the analogy, Brian. It's it's I could read all sorts of books about being a parent, but there was no relationship. Uh, dynamics yet, right? Because it was just me and a book and learning. It wasn't when I, w- these beautiful daughters were born into the world that all of a sudden it got real and that's when the maturity really happened. Now, we're not saying that being in Bible studies is a bad thing. right? You're going to learn a lot and we want you to continue to be in the Word of God. It's, a, it's an important spiritual discipline. But the, the, the whole goal there is that you take what you've been equipped with through the Word of God take it out and allow God to, to let you use that to encourage somebody else in their walk with Christ to help them obey his commandments. And then ultimately that that person would do the same thing with someone else. Right. Uh, make, mm-hmm. make more disciples for, for his kingdom, for his glory.
0: Okay, so yeah, so let's go back to it. So dis- when we say disciple making, when, when we say you should make disciples, what we're saying is you should personally get involved in helping someone else to pursue God. That's mm-hmm. kind of the broadest way to say it. So that in many cases, John, that's going to mean like what you did at the casino. That's going to mean that you're going to help someone who's far from God, who doesn't even know Jesus. You're going to help them. You're going to introduce them to Jesus. That would be called, we would call that evangelism typically. So evangelism is a part of discipleship. It's the first part of discipleship, but it's not the only part. Then you you need to help them to mature in the Lord, and Bible studies are a part of that, one-on-one, mentoring. Again, the Pursue God tools are there just for this, to help equip you to be able to make disciples. But making a disciple is a calling on every Christian's life, and it just means you're going to personally help someone else pursue the God of the Bible. You're going to be involved in it.
2: You're not just going to invite them to church. Right, right? and even to the point where even beyond leading them through Bible studies, and we're, it's, we're really talking about even to the point where they do what I've done. They do in somebody else's life what I've done in their life, and we call that going full circle. We'll talk about that more later, but, but it's not just like, okay, I've, I've, I've succeeded in helping someone pursue God if they're living a moral life and they're serving at the Church, and, but no, no, I've really succeeded when they have begun to invest in somebody else and there's a whole other generation of, of that, we call it, reproduction going on. Okay, so now if
0: anyone is still listening, because I'm sure there were some Christians who just turned it off because they're like, nope, that's not the kind of Christianity I'm interested in, okay? But I know some of you are still listening, which is good, so keep listening because we're going to now go to the Word, and we're going to say, okay, here's why this is so important. We've got three reasons we're going to go through today. Again, we could probably give 12 reasons But we're going to just stick to these three. And the first reason we're going to categorize this as the commission. We make disciples because Jesus said so, right? Matthew 28 talks about this. If you have a Bible, open up there, verses 19 and 20. This is called the Great Commission and helping people pursue God. First and foremost is a matter of obedience to the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples. So two things that that makes me think of. Number one, it makes me think of my dad and how my dad would say, take out the garbage. And so we took out the garbage because he was in charge and he said so. And that's the only reason we need it, right? If I said why, all he would say is because I said so. Right? We all had dads like that probably. Mm. But it's not just that. It's not... Right, Because that would sound like, okay, we're doing it because God, God is, a, is a forceful, mean God, and it's just a matter of a commandment, and we just need to be robots and do what God said. I think there's a different sense about authority that Jesus is talking about here. And it's, it's more the, con- the concept of, like, he's, he's authorizing us hmm. to do it. Yeah. So, like, in your example, Brian
1: when your dad said go take out the garbage you didn't want to do it just basically because you were lazy right mm-hmm. it wasn't because you had there was any fear attached to taking out the garbage mm. right but I think I've, I've talked to people all the time that tell me well you know I just, I just can't I can't do it um, because and you fill in the blank well because the, the workplace I'm at I maybe I work for the government and it's, it's not allowed there Maybe I, a school, essentially, an arm of the government. I work at a school. I can't do it there. Or I'm in a special kind of counseling, and, and we do uh, counseling uh, that is, uh, I'll call it, I guess, secular counseling. And um, we're not allowed to talk about spiritual things. Or, or, or just in the, your family or friend groups that you've decided, that, look, they just don't want to hear it. I can't do it there. And so what Jesus is saying here is, is look, I have the authority... Therefore, you have the authority. This is uh, the analogy I like to use. It would be like the governor of the state of Utah and a state trooper. That state trooper has no authority outside of the authority that's been invested in him by the state. And we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And so we have been given authority by our king to tell anyone we want, any time we want, any place we want about Jesus, Mm -hmm. about the good news. Of the gospel and so now I, I will say we, we want to use wisdom when we do that uh, the Bible says be um, wise as serpents gentle as doves um, um, we, we, we want to follow be in prayer and follow the Holy Spirit's lead in that we don't want to be reckless with that we don't want to um, be the type of people who are uh, stepping out in a way that that's purposely gonna uh, offend others but the gospel does bring offense and there is mild persecution uh, when we share this exclusive message that the only way to God is through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son Jesus Christ.
0: Mm, that's good, John. I know for you, a lot of you've shared a lot when you're talking about evangelizing, sharing your faith with somebody. You're you're one of the best guys that I know at doing this, and you'll you'll feel this these nudges. Maybe you can help the people out there who are listening, because I'm sure there're probably a lot of Christians who's, who've maybe felt the nudges but didn't act on it. Mm. Explain how that works for you. I know you probably have an example from this week or last week because it uh, happens all the time to you.
1: Yeah, it, it works for me through, through being in prayer, being in God's word. And then, um, you know, much like the Isla- Israelites, we can forget to remember. And so it's about remembering to remember w- what I'm here for. And, and when I put my feet on the floor in the morning and say, okay, first and foremost, before I punch a clock for anyone else, Jesus, I'm punching the clock for you. Uh, Whatever I've got going on today, whatever errands I have, they all are submissive to whatever you have in store for me. So help me, Holy Spirit, be sensitive to um, who you put in my path today. Um, And and then I forget about it. And then all of a sudden, an opportunity will will arise, and God will bring that prayer to my attention and and just say, okay, (laughs) he taps me. On the shoulder mm-hmm. and says, "Get in the game." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so, but I want to I want to be clear. It, yeah. You're not you don't hear an audible voice because I'm sure there's some people yeah. listening to this yeah. saying, "Oh, I haven't heard the audible voice of God." So John must have heard the audible voice of God, and maybe that's why nobody's ever acted on it. You're you're talking about like a you have an interaction with someone at at Target, right? With yeah. you're you're checking out, or 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 someone maybe a server at dinner at the table. And you, right, so what is it, how does that, I'm, I'm trying to help people to hear your story so that they don't dismiss some of those nudges because it's not like God speaks to you in an audible voice every time you do this, right?
1: No, um, but when, when it's, what's that old word, uh, intentionality, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so when I have that intention to start my day, then when opportunities arise, um, I know they're on purpose. It's, it's no accident. I know God's hand is in it now? There's been times where I question that. Uh, earlier in my faith walk, I would question that. I would, I would say, God, no, that sounds crazy. God, I don't want to do that. Is, is that really you? And then, and then I learned to step on faith, and God has grown my faith muscle in this area over time. To me, more bold, and to, and then, oh, and then during that, I've, I've been able to see um, those opportunities arise more clearly, um, and been able to hear from God more clearly when those opportunities. Uh, present themselves. So,
0: yeah. um. And I love in your story, John, it seems like you approach life, and it probably is because of how you start your day, but you approach life, almost the default is there's going to be someone to share with. Whereas I think for most Christians, they approach life, and it's not even anywhere on the radar, because I think they don't take this commandment seriously enough. They don't... Maybe they just don't realize they've been authorized. That you're, you're, you're an, like you said, John, you're an ambassador for Jesus. So you should expect to have some ambassador interactions in your day.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is tied to also, um, God has, I think, put in all of us, but uh, put in me a sensitivity for the lost.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. and so um you know i was kind of sharing this with you brian um i i had a beautiful day on wednesday had a wonderful round of golf had wonderful dinner afterwards but the thread that kept co- and, and i was in in a community of very uh, affluent well-to-do uh even pretentious type mm-hmm. folks okay who many of them i would speculate the farthest farthest thing from their mind is that they need to be saved from anything they got mm. life all figured out and all I keep thinking about is there are many here who are going to hell mm-hmm. without the gospel and so who's going who's to step out and, and share that with mm-hmm. them and, and so um, I think as we read the word of God as we um, you know I, I just kind of going through the book of Acts lately uh, recently my reading plan and, and I would recommend if you're listening to, to pick up that book and read it and look at how uh, these men just normal men like like all of us um, look at how they lived out their experience with jesus after he resurrected Um, it was bold it was risky um, it it caused a lot of pushback from many people
0: but many many were saved and brought Mm -hmm. to the faith that's good. Mm-hmm. Ross, let's go back to the this passage, the Great Commission, Matthew 28 because I think there's something, you know, we've talked about this in lesson 1 of our series, what it is that the pursuit is all about this series that we're going through is be becoming a full circle follower of Jesus, right? And we see we actually see the picture right here in the Great Commission. So Ross, walk us through it. Matthew 28 Jesus says therefore go make disciples of all nations. So if you vi- if you visualize the full circle picture these three arrows, we start by trusting Jesus, we live to honor God, and then we mature by making disciples. We go make disciples. Obviously that third arrow is right there. He says go make disciples. That's the commission. But there's there's more to it because we even see the first arrow mm-hmm in the passage? Because Jesus, the next thing Jesus says is, when you make disciples, you should baptize them.
2: How do we find the first arrow in that? Because baptism is a symbol of the decision to follow Christ. And so baptism is a way that we make that public and we live it out. And so in in a sense, it's an initiation into the the family of God, into relationship with Him. So, So we start by trusting Jesus and the visible token of that is baptism. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's arrow number one, right there. And then arrow number two, we go on, he says, then teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so the idea of obedience and, and following Jesus is, is our second arrow, we live to honor God. Yeah, so if you want the picture, again, I just this passage is just so compelling to me that
0: Jesus, Jesus said, go make disciples. So if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants you to go make disciples. But that means a lot of times, baptizing them. Because, so that's not just about making smart Christians smarter. Right, and it's,
2: and it's not just about, yeah, taking people who are already in church and helping them to grow yeah. uh, more obedient or, you know, kind of... Now, there, there's a place for that. There's sure. plenty of people in church that need to be discipled, as we'll get to in our third point, but it doesn't start just there. It starts with people who are far from God, who that's need right. to know God. But I, I, the interesting thing about this uh, Great Commission is... He says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, that includes go make disciples. <laughs> right, right. And so that's why we talk about coming full circle. It doesn't mean just, you know, giving and serving and, you know, being a moral person and, you know, but to really obey Jesus means then to be his witnesses and to make disciples. So really, that's why uh, it all loops together and it's really a spiral.
1: I'll, I'll try to kind of wrap that, that point up, too, with this. Look at the, the bookends of Jesus' ministry. Mark 1, 17. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you become. Make you become fishers of men. And then, and then Matthew um, 18, um, pardon me, 28, 18 through 20, um, essentially. Okay, now you've, you followed me the, all these, these years, these three years. You followed me. Now, now go what I did with you with other people. Fish for men this way. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a very real sense, if you are not fishing for men, you are not following. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in part, and, and I, I would say to a large part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a litmus test in any way to your uh, uh, salvation. I'm just saying you are, are missing out um, on really a, a joy Uh, That you could be partaking in if if you would push through that fear and trust Christ Mm -hmm. in this area.
0: That's good. All right. So that's reason number one the commission. We should make disciples because Jesus said so. Here's the second reason it's a little more boring, it's just a strategic reason. We make disciples because people are supposed to do the work, not just pastors. Now, I know the three of us are pastors, but we're talking to the average Christian, the average Joe Christian. It's not enough for you as a Christian to invite your friends to church to hear a great sermon. That's not actually how Jesus envisioned it. That's not what he had in mind. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 gives us sort of the, I would call the working job description for pastors and for people. Ephesians 4 says, verses 11 and 12, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. And then he lists out five, five, um, like, out of ministry gifts in the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers okay so he's saying these are god has given let's call that the paid staff for mm-hmm. for right now he's given your church the paid staff now listen to verse 12. paul says this their responsibility is to equip god's people to do the work of the ministry and build up the church the body of christ so that, that's not at all how most churches function. Most churches function like, well, we pay the pastor. He's called the minister. Talk about misnomer. He's the minister. No, actually, Ephesians 4.12 says the people should be called the ministers. Mm-hmm. The pastor should be the equipper. He should be equipping the people to do the work of the ministry.
1: Yeah, and you, in some ways you can't blame them, blame them, Brian, because I think, I mean, in my lifetime, this is how church has been organized. It's very building-centric. So you mentioned earlier today, like you've got these people who they, they've, you know, they've, they've trusted Christ, they're, they've been in their umpteenth Bible study, they've walked through, you know, Romans 10 times, now they're trying to go in deep dive in Revelation and, and find, figure out all these nuances, which, okay, that's all great, but they're looking for an outlet. And so they go, all right, well, let's, let's run another program at the building. Pastors, that's what we pay you to do, go. And, and that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, real funny story about that. Um, back to that same church, um, there was some ladies. This was when Zumba was really a popular thing. You guys remember that?
2: Yeah, the exercise thing. Yeah, and there yeah. was
1: like three ladies that came to us, and I, had, I was already moving this direction in my life around Jesus basically saying, hey, you need to go out, right? Not invite people in necessarily, not that that's bad. But mm-hmm. they said, look, we want you guys to organize a Zumba class at the church. Now, there was multiple Zumba classes going on all over the Aurora land area, so we came back at them and said, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you three ladies get together, pick a Zumba class, you want to all join together, and then be praying for who God might put in your path and on your heart to share Christ with at that class. Like, the idea is not build it and they will come, it's go. Jesus said, go and make disciples, not build another Zumba class, or not at, even at like honestly.
2: To be a little more cynical, yeah. John, honestly, it's like we need. Let's build our Zumba class so we don't have to interact with those lost people. <laughs> right. That's yeah, true.
1: yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of churches have, you know, softball leagues or basketball leagues, and it it really ends up. Maybe that's not how it started, but it ends up being just a club thing.
1: But but here's, here's the point, and here's where I again cut people a lot of slack and give them grace is that they weren't really necessarily feeling equipped to go do that. Mm-hmm. True. You know, they didn't know how to do it any other way. I mean, so their hearts were in the right place, right? And, and that's where I, I, I see um, the Pursue God tools, that, among other tools that are out there, as, as just a great way. If I would have had Pursue God then at that time, I would have sat these ladies down, I would have taken them through a topping, and I would have said, look, here's how you can make this work. Here's how you can engage others in, in right. where they're at. Yeah. Um, in in spiritual matters
0: yeah and by the way just so everybody knows next the next lesson lesson 11 is the lesson where we kind of do a deep dive on the tools and how to use the pursue god tools because again one of the reasons we created pursue god almost 10 years ago is we read this passage and we said oh man i'm not doing my job this is my job description is to equip people to do the work of the ministry But I realized in 10 years of ministry at the church that I had planted that I was really just doing church the same old way that I learned church, which was not necessarily a biblical way to do it, is I would preach and encourage people to bring their friends. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't shouldn't invite your friends to church. That that could be a, a big part of the strategy for sure. But it's just that that would just only be part of the strategy then. what The key then is that we're really connecting people and we're equipping regular people to actually do one-on-one or small group ministry and really start discipling people.
2: Yeah, I I love that people are willing to invite their friends to church. That's a great start, you know, to be able to... And and the, the people, the giftedness of certain people in the life of the church the giftedness of teaching, the giftedness of music, and so forth, can help that person engage their neighbors and help them to do, maybe to equip some things that they're not necessarily gifted to do. So I love that people will invite their friends to hear the Gospel that come, but, but you don't, you can't leave it there, because they're going to go home and they're still in relationship with their friend. If I'm teaching the sermon that week, I'll never meet their friend again, for all I know. Um, so it's, so it's their, really, it's their opportunity and their privilege given by God to follow up, and we want to help them know how to do that after they go home.
1: Yeah, and again, we're not down on inviting your friends to church. Please invite your friends mm-hmm. to church, but I'll just say that strategy, it ain't working. We look at the numbers uh, of church attendance over the years, and I, I can't think of a time in the last... Fifteen years I've been to church. That the pastors and harping on everyone to invite to church, invite to church, invite to church. And there was a Barna study I think in 2015, 2018, somewhere around there that said actually only um, I think it's it was around one percent of people actually invite anybody to church. So if you I, I boil that down to this, well, if you've got if you've got less uh, around one percent of people who are willing to step out. Because that that takes vulnerability as well, right? Mm-hmm, to right. step out in that way, there's some
2: way. risk involved in that, yeah.
1: Yeah, to step out in that way so that someone else can share Jesus with them. <laughs> what do you think the percentages of people that are actually sharing Christ with anyone? Mm-hmm. It's got to be really, really, really tough. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Challenging.
0: Well, you know what? It's what it reminds me of is Europe. I feel like we're mo- uh, the U.S. is moving into this space that Europe is now in. And Europe is not a Christian is not a land of christians right that's the christian culture doesn't dominate in europe and yet the reformation started in europe 500 years ago so what happened i think part of what happened is that the reformers started seminaries and it in sharing jesus doing the work of the ministry over time became a professional occupation hmm. rather hmm. than the regular person the average christian the fisherman hmm. feeling a responsibility, a la Ephesians 4, to do the work of the ministry. And so what ends up happening, and I encourage everybody to go read Ephesians 4 for yourself, because you'll see that the what happens when the regular believer does the ministry is that the reg, regular believer grows up. That's right. The regular believer mm-hmm. matures, like we said at the beginning. The regular believer now starts to really own their faith. And what we have in our churches today, and we, we've had it for the last 500 years in Europe, is we have people who go to church, and who parents who bring their kids to church, but nobody's doing any work of the ministry, so nobody's really buying it, nobody's really owning it. So it's it's no surprise that young pe- we've lost the young generations in Europe for decades and yeah. centuries now, and it's happening in the U.S. It's because it's not because we aren't preaching good sermons. It's because that's the only thing we're doing. Yeah. We're not actually challenging people to own their faith and the best way to own your faith is to share your faith
2: yeah i think uh, as i think about ephesians 4 there's a practical application of that that paul goes the next step in the life of timothy so in in second timothy well first and second timothy paul's kind of giving the last uh, his kind of that seminary for timothy in a sense his job description everything he's handing off to him as the pastor of this of this central church Part of it, he tells Timothy, preach the word. He says, be ready to do that at all times, in season and out. So that's certainly part of his job description. But he he doesn't leave it there because in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, Paul says, all the things that you've learned from me, he says, find faithful people, uh, teach them to faithful people, pass them on to people who can who can share them with others also. And so you see, you see then, he's telling Timothy, yeah, do that preaching part, teaching part, but also do this individual ministry, personal one-on-one ministry, where you're equipping people with everything that I've taught you, but you're equipping them to, to pass it on to a third generation, and people who can then pass it on to a fourth generation. And so that's the Ephesians 4 strategy, in a sense, boiled down into a practical application.
0: Yeah, Paul's saying to Timothy, I've, I'm not just preaching it, I'm, I've done it with you and I want you to do it with the next generation. And again, our churches just aren't generally designed that way. So pastors are part of the problem. So if you're a pastor listening to this, I hope this really convicts you to start doing church differently. That's what happened with us in our church. But if you're not a pastor, I hope you're convicted. And even if you can't convince your pastor to buy into this, it doesn't matter. You can still make disciples. You can still be a, an individual disciple-making machine at your church. And if you do what Paul did with Timothy, over time, it can spread generationally. You can invest in one person, disciple them in a reproducible way, and encourage them to disciple the next person. And again, we'll get into the details of how to use the Pursue God tools to do that. That's not the only way to do it. But if you want, if you need a tool the Pursue God tools, that's what it's all for. That's what it's designed to be about. So we'll get into that next week. But we need, for now, we need to go to the third reason to make disciples. So the first reason was the Great Commission. The second reason is a strategic reason. And the third reason is a lot more personal. It's it's the need. This is where we're going to show some empathy. We make disciples because people need help on a personal level. They don't They don't just need help on an institutional level, the church level. They need help on a personal level. And this is, this is captured so beautifully in Matthew chapter 9. At the end of that chapter, where Jesus, after having preached sermons to the crowds and performed miracles, and Jesus was doing some cool stuff in Matthew 9, but at the end of the chapter, he saw the crowds that had gathered. And the Bible says that he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that's so interesting, guys, that Jesus had just preached a sermon to them and then he looks at them and they're still confused and helpless and Ross, I know you've been doing ministry longer than any, w- any of us in here. Can't you relate to this that you, you'll you preach sermons for decades and you're like, people are still confused and helpless. Right. We still have broken marriages. We still have addiction. We still have, you know, young people who are turning away from Jesus. So part of it makes you think, did I not do my job? Did I not preach hard enough? Right? So that's well not enough what you, or well enough yeah. or
2: whatever, yeah. Right. No, it's, no, because, because we can't put, I think in our culture, we put all of our eggs in that basket, put a lot of weight on that to carry a lot of load that it's not really intended to carry. Mm-hmm. So that's why Jesus says, look, um, the answer to this is pray for God to bring workers into the harvest field. And that doesn't just mean more pastors, but it, it's releasing ordinary people in light of everything we've been looking at in the Bible this morning, today, every releasing more people out into where the people are where the people are feeling confused and helpless and so forth get people out there to connect with those people
0: and that's exactly what he does in the next chapter so Matthew that's right. 10 then opens up with him <laughs> sending out his disciples two by two right and so he you know he says to them at the end of Matthew 9 pray for pray for God to send more workers into the field and then and then they answer the prayer And that's what God wants from us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is
1: really cool to think about that, like to think about. So that, that verse you're talking about there, it says he said to his disciples, he told his disciples to pray this prayer. So think about this. If you're, if you're stepping out to make disciples, you are literally answering the prayer of the original disciples. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. That's Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, is, and, and, uh, uh, on another note, let's just bottom line this. Yeah, yeah, people need help over addiction. They need help in their marriages. they need they need help with uh, anger. they need help, um, just being better all around citizens. But at the end of the day, people are going to spend eternity separated from the God that loves them without the gospel. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. need a savior Amen. is what they need. Yep. Mm-hmm. They need mm-hmm. a savior. And so, I would challenge anyone to give me any activity that has more value, more purpose, that has any more eternal weight than helping someone else pursue God. Mm. And, and yet we have friends, you've got neighbors that you've never shared the, the gospel with. Because you've, you've thought, well, I could lose that friendship. Put the friendship on the, on the altar, friends. Be obedient to Christ and share the good news with people that he's put on
0: your path and in your heart to do so. So I can hear someone driving down the road. They're feeling that, but they're, st- there's just, they're just saying, I don't know if I can do it. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't have the personality for it. I don't have the passion for it. I don't have the knowledge for it. There's a million excuses that they can have. And I'm sure that when Jesus, in Matthew 28, was telling his disciples, go make disciples. Now, we, it does the Bible doesn't tell us what the looks on their faces were. But I'm sure Jesus saw the look on their face that might be a little bit like the look on some of your faces listening to this episode today. And so I think that's why Jesus ended in Matthew 28 with these words. He says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that really, the, the answer to the person who says, I don't know, I don't know if I'm qualified, I don't know if I, don't know if I can do it, I don't, know if, I don't know if I have the courage to do it or the knowledge mm-hmm. to do it. I think, listen to the words of Jesus. Says, I'm, I, you're, not, you're not going in your own strength. You're not, I'm not sending you out there among the wolves on your own. You're, you're not alone. I'll be with you. Even as you go, to your neighbor, to your friend, to your coworker, to your family member, to your kids, to your parents, whatever. Even as you go, I'll be with you. You're not alone. I'm not going to abandon you. I never have, and I never will.
2: Yeah, that's it, it so encouraging because, honestly, this doesn't come naturally to anybody. Mm-hmm. And you look out there, and you see somebody doing it, and you go, oh, my gosh, I'm not like him or her. I can't do that but you know they had to go you don't know the process that that person went through to have to to come to grips with their fears and and to put their issues on the altar as John said and become obedient to Jesus um, because you know this is the greatest promise in the world because none of us have the capacity to do it if we went out and tried to do it in our own capacity the Holy Spirit would not be at work anyway nobody's gonna listen without the Holy Spirit and so, you know, this is so encouraging that says, really, this is, anybody can do this because, not because anybody is qualified, but because Jesus is always with us, with every one of us, when we are obedient to him.
1: Yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> Brian mentioned that that's kind of my my thing, and I would just tell you all that there's never been a time in my life where I wasn't scared to do it. What's driven me is the with Jesus, mm-hmm. the withness. And I, I like to use the analogy, it's like a young boy, you can picture him standing at the edge of the the, the pool at the deep end, his father's arms outstretched, and he can jump out and 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 he's going to have that moment of time in the air where he's vulnerable and unsure what's going to happen. But until you step out in that vulnerable way, you will never experience the joy of your father catching you. His providential hand to, to take you through it. You just, you just won't. And I can't really even articulate it. The only way you can experience that, that type of witness is by being obedient and trusting him. Uh, stepping out in faith being vulnerable to to uh, share christ to make disciples yeah
2: and i I would add you know that's so true but for many people the there's also a fear obstacle to saying i'm willing to mentor somebody else whether they're you know how do you you know they're the not the person who doesn't know jesus yet or the person who's a new believer or person who's been stagnant in church for all these years being a consumer so the same the same issues are at play, but the same answer is at play. Jesus yes. is with you, always, whichever part of the circle we're engaging, mm-hmm. right? Then it, it's all dependent on on Him and being obedient to Him to overcome whatever fears there might be.
1: I, I like to you, Ross. You're exactly right, and I like to say it like this: Jesus is going to meet you the same way He met you in 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 saving you. He's going to meet you right where you're at. Mm, he's going to meet you right. He's you you're right Ross there's there's people that are listening that are going I- i'm just not prepared well god cares about this more than you do and and he's not going to send you the the angry town atheist as your first uh subject to to disciple it's it's just not going to happen and if he does it it'll be a fun story to share anyway but <laughs> once you're through it you'll learn a lot i believe me yeah. um but i i i can only say this exper- experientially that that God has always met me right where I'm at in this process as I am as I step out. He's He's um, been there and grown me through it, and I have matured mostly in my faith through the experience of of <laughs> attempting to follow Jesus' lead in,
0: in this area. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian, go make disciples. Now, if you want to learn more about exactly how to do that with the Pursue God tools, that's what next week's topic is is going to be all about. So we encourage you to join us then. Again, you can find resources for your family, your small group, or your one-on-one mentoring relationship to talk about this at PursueGod.org forward slash go. This was topic 10. Join us next time for topic 11. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.